The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. I am not even sure what words to use to describe Shohei Otani or Kyle Schwarber anymore. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, June 30th. Frank Stanfield joined by Chris Towers. Sorry for the late start. Just so much going on. And I haven't looked into this enough yet, Chris, but I am officially dubbing June 2021 the all-time month of the hitter. Sticky substances, be gone, home runs up, batting average up. It is a crazy time for offense in baseball. Um, I'm interested in that because last time I looked, it was actually, yeah, 731 OPS in the month of June. I feel like it was like 718 like a week ago when I last looked at it. So maybe it's just been a historically great week for offenses. I don't know. It might be, or it might just be the fact that offense was so bad in April and May that just seeing this much now is kind of making it look much better than it actually is. But uh, nonetheless, man, Shohei Otani and Kyle Schwarber, just ridiculous. Ridiculous. I got, I got three words to describe Kyle Schwarber. Go. Big, beefy, <laughs> baseball boy. That's four words. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Otani fits that description. Kyle Schwarber definitely does, but uh, Schwarber, yeah. another leadoff home run. He's now up to 25 home runs for the season. 16 in the month of June. Guy is skyrocketing up my rankings as well, Chris. I think I moved him inside of my top 25 outfielders. Is that too aggressive? That doesn't strike me as unreasonable. I mean, we've seen Kyle Schwarber go on probably nothing like this, but in 2019, he had a 997 OPS after the All-Star break with 20 homers and 70 games. So, you know, that's a little bit different than 16 homers in 23 games or whatever he's on right now because it it's actually all since June 10th. Those 16 home runs, which yeah, is oh my God. <laughs> even more impressive. It's 16 homers and I believe 23 games or something like that. So wow. he's been absolutely out of this world. But we know Kyle Schwarber is an elite power hitter. You know, he doesn't always hit like that. It, it's sorry. 16 home runs in 18 games um, is what he's at right now, which is really good. And. It's a fluke in that like he's not going to hit 140 home runs this season, or I guess it would be more like 110, 
10 at this pace if he kept it up the rest of the season. He's not going to do that. I don't think I'm uh, being unfair to Kyle, but there's no question that he's got this kind of potential he always has. And, um, you know, a big part of what we're seeing is he's batted leadoff in all but one of those games um, since June 10th. So he's getting all but two, sorry. He's getting uh, more opportunities than he otherwise would because before that he was mostly hitting fourth uh, in the lineup. Yes. So that, that matters. And well on his way to a career high in terms of home runs. His previous high was 38 back in 2019. Uh, Currently on pace for 50 home runs. We're basically at the halfway point of the season. We're three months in. Times his production by two. There you go. On pace for 50 home runs. I would still take the under on that. But man, we get over 40, mid 40, something like that. I I think that's pretty realistic for Kyle Schwarber as the weather just continues to heat up around the country. Already mentioned Otani, of course. Two more home runs. A double dong increases his league lead to 28 homers. Obviously, playing in Yankee Stadium is going to help that. Yeah, I'm sure you saw the second home run. Yeah, That was was one of the weirdest home runs I've ever seen. It was like a letters-high fastball that probably didn't go more than 20 feet off the ground. It was definitely a Yankee Stadium home run, but yeah, that was such an impressive home run to turn around on that uh, up and in pitch and hit a line drive out, basically. Ridiculous. He's just, it's, there's no words left to describe what Shohei Otani uh, is doing right now. But another one we talked about what he was on pace for last night and obviously only increases that now. So, uh, yeah, that second home run, if anyone's seen it, just his ability to turn around on yeah. that was just... 11 homers in his last 13 games. Another one. Yeah, just Otani and, and Schwarber right now. And I moved Otani up to, I believe, my fourth-ranked outfielder. Yeah, behind only Acuna, Betts, and Juan Soto. <laughs> you might want to argue that he should be ahead of Betts and Soto, but not ready to do that yet. Who knows? Maybe in due time. Let's talk about some other standouts from Tuesday's action. Oh, my good goodness gracious. All right. I'm going to start with Herman Marquez, who I believe was my oh my goodness gracious player the last time he pitched, and he took a no-hitter into the ninth inning against the Pittsburgh Pirates. He gave up one hit, only one walk, five strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 92 pitches for Herman Marquez. He has given up a total of four hits over his last three starts. Granted, really good matchups against the Mariners, the Brewers, and the Pirates, but, I mean, we don't even see the game's best pitchers doing that over a three-star stretch, even against really good matchups. So uh, he's locked in right now, Herman Marquez. His last eight starts overall, 2.00 ERA, only 46 strikeouts over 54 innings pitched. But that also includes a start where he gave up eight earned runs for Herman Marquez, and he still has a 2.00 ERA during that time. So that lets you know exactly how well he is pitching on the season, uh, a 54% ground ball rate, 13% 13% swinging strike rate. The walks were a huge issue early on for Herman Marquez, uh, but has really, really reined in that control uh, during this recent stretch. So, Chris, I mean, the question I have for you is, are you more likely to buy or sell Herman Marquez based on what he's doing right now? Because I kind of see both paths. You can sell based on what he's doing right now. You don't think it's unsus- uh, you don't think it's sustainable. Or you can buy with the hope that the Rockies maybe trade him away. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll also add that it's not just, <clears throat> you know, the last eight starts or whatever it is. It's actually his last 10. If you go back, he's had two starts this season that have really wrecked his ERA. He's given up eight runs in five innings to the Reds on June 12th, and then that eight runs in two-thirds of an inning against the Giants on May 4th. Uh, that represents 25% of his season total of earned runs allowed. But over his last 10 starts, he's got a 2.32 ERA. Uh, he's averaging 6.6 innings per start with 60 strikeouts and 66 innings, which isn't great, but it's you know not far off from where he's been in the past. And I think that's one of those where the... Let me see how many batters he faced today. I think it's probably... Man, he faced one more than the minimum. That's pretty good. Can't do a whole lot better than that. So he's got a 23.5% strikeout rate. So even though the K per nine is a little below average, uh, the strikeout rate is actually right at league average because he's been so effective. I think I would try to buy because I think a lot of people are still very skeptical of Herman Marquez. And one thing we've seen from him in the past is he can go on these runs where, you know, the second half of the 2019 season was his big breakout or 2018. I think it was 2018. Um, Yeah. Whatever it was, the big breakout, he was magnificent in the second half of the season. And it got some, some of us believing that he could, you know, beat course field. Nobody beats course field for long, but I think Armand Marquez is a top 50 starting pitcher at least. Yeah, I, I I need to definitely move him up my rankings too. So um, I think I'm with you, man. Like even if the Rockies don't trade him away, the metrics that we use to judge starting pitchers, the walks being down, ground balls up, swinging strike rate up, strikeouts, not necessarily up in this start, only five uh, over a complete game, but just in general, the strikeouts have been better. Um, and, and given what the swinging strike rate is, I think that more strikeouts could be on the way too. So Yes, Coors Field is scary. There's no doubt about it. But he had a 3.56 ERA at home entering this start, and that's only going to go down quite a bit. So he's pitching well there this season. Um, I'm with you. I think I'm more likely to buy Herman Marquez. But man, it's it's uh, it's been quite the roller coaster already. And I guess it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if uh, if we get a few more of those ups and downs before the season ends for Herman Marquez. Chris, your oh my goodness gracious player from Tuesday. Yeah, this isn't, you know, it's not quite as impressive as a one-hitter in Coors Field, but Joe Ross continues to be very solid. He ha- he went six and one-third, two strikeout or two runs allowed, seven Ks. It's not the best start ever, but taken in the context of what he's done over his last uh, seven starts, 240 ERA, 43 Ks, 41 and one-third innings pitched, that's almost, that's basically six innings per start, which is pretty impressive for a guy with, uh, Ross's track record, and I think he had a four-inning start in there with 59 pitches thrown. So over his last uh, five starts in the month of June, he's got at least six innings pitched in four of them. So, you know, with Ross, he really hasn't been good since like 2015 slash 2016. He's had an ERA above five uh, in four seasons since then. He didn't pitch in 2020. He's dealt with a ton of injuries, but um, his velocity was up almost a mile and a half per hour today. It's been up generally in the month of June and the nationals are letting him throw 
you know, a lot of pitches, 92, 108, 67, and 101 in his four starts before today. And he threw 88 today. So they're not really handling him with kids' gloves. And I think Joe Ross can be a, a useful pitcher moving forward. Yeah, I'm actually surprised by what I've seen, too, when you kind of look under the hood and you mentioned it, but those last four starts, 2.41 ERA, uh, more strikeouts than innings pitched during that span, and he has averaged over 94 miles per hour in three of those four starts on his fastball. He's 56% rostered, Joe Ross is. He has SPARP eligibility, so if you play in a points league, you can use him as a relief pitcher, which is a cheat code in that format. So, yeah, I'm with you. I really like what I've seen from Joe Ross this season. Let's compare him to a few other of the most added starting pitchers recently, Chris. Would you rather have him over Zach Thompson? I guess Thompson, just because there's a the air of the unknown. He has that new cutter, so maybe there, there's something there. But I think the most likely outcome is Joe Ross is usable and Zach Thompson isn't. I think Thompson, just because of that, yeah, I guess unknown, might have higher upside. But that's yeah, that's the that's the thought process, at least. Would you rather have Joe Ross or Kyle Muller, who will remain in the Braves rotation for the time being? Um, I, Again, it might be a, a similar one where Muller gets the edge just for, you know, a bit of the unknown. Although I think, you know, that might be underselling how unknown Joe Ross is at this point, given uh, how little he's pitched over the last few years. Before we move on to news and notes, I do want to just mention all of the other like big home run performances that we saw on Tuesday because there was a lot of them. So to go along with Shohei Otani and Kyle Schwarber, Joey Gallo had another double dong. He has 18 home runs on the season, nine home runs in June. No, he's not, Chris. No, he's not. He is actually rising. I, I moved him up uh, inside my top 40 outfielders, and honestly, mm-hmm. it needs to be higher than that. So I'm going to go back to the drawing board on that one. But Joey Gallo looks a lot like Joey Gallo so far in June. Uh, Gary Sanchez had two more hits, including his 14th home run of the season. Aaron Judge added his 18th home run. Juan Soto and Victor Robles was kind of a hit parade early on against... Who is the uh, Rich Hill? It was uh, early on in that game. They were just bomb, bombs away on him. Uh, but Juan Soto hit his ninth home run. Victor Robles, it was his first home run of the season. More on Rich Hill a little bit later on. Reese Hoskins hit his 17th homer day after I bring him up as a dropometer candidate. So hmm. great job. That'll him. happen. Uh, Jesse Winker hit his 19th. It's been a while since we've talked about Jesse Winker. Batting average OPS down a little bit for the month, but uh, still really good. It's something like 280 and right around a 900 OPS. So again, it's still awesome. Uh, Ozzy Albies hit his 13th home run. And since May 1st, he is batting 265 with eight homers and nine steals. Nolan Arenado went two for three with his 16th home run. Brandon Lau hit his 16th home run of the season. And all of a sudden in June, batting 241, seven homers. Sounds a lot like Brandon Lau. Uh, Cedric Mullins hit his 14th home run. Another one, Chris, I moved the way up. I think I think yeah. I have him at like outfielder 22 now. Because he shows no signs of slowing down. Just sticking to being a lefty this year has done Cedric Mullins wonders. His quality of contact way up. We spoke about him on yesterday's podcast as well. Uh, And the last one is Josh Donaldson. 12th homer. uh, Has six hits with two home runs in four games since returning from his calf injury. I lied. It wasn't the last one. We had two socks and two shoes. That's a home run and a steal. Sock and a shoe in the same game. Tommy Pham. Three more hits. 
including his ninth homer, 12th stolen base in June, batting 337 with six homers and six steals, has let off every game for the Padres except two since May 25th. Chris, I kind of want to buy high on Tommy Pham. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's, uh, I, I wrote about him as a riser in the trade values chart column last week. The second, the next one will be coming out tomorrow. I, I pretty much finished my uh, updated rankings for that. And I think there's still, you know, room for him to to keep improving. And, you know, pretty much since, I think it's like mid-May, he's been quite good. You're, you know, you're awesome. going to get you know, end up with 25 homers and 12 to 15 steals from him, probably. Yeah. If not more steals. Yeah, nine homers and 12 steals at the halfway mark. So, I mean, 2020, maybe even flirts with 25, 25. Just needs to stay healthy. That's obviously the biggest key for Tommy Pham. Whit Merrifield has homered in back-to-back games, and he's now up to eight homers and 22 steals for the season, batting over, I believe it's over 350 for the month of June. So, nice little bounce-back month here for Whit Merrifield. Just want to remind everybody about what's going on CBS Sports HQ this week. As always, CBS Sports HQ is the network to start your sports news day at 8 a.m. Eastern with morning buzz, an hour of highlights, news, and all the days need to know. And come back or leave us on all day at 6 p.m. where we break down all the night's action and release dozens of picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world. How to watch HQ? It's easy. Go to your Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV, really most connected TVs, and look for the CBS Sports app. Fire it up. Check out HQ, the only 24-7 free sports streaming network. News and notes from Tuesday. And the biggest story, unfortunately, Trevor Bauer is under investigation for allegedly assaulting a woman earlier this year, according to TMZ. Not much more than that that we can add at this time, but obviously... It's a very serious story and one that we will uh, keep you updated on as we get more information. Jose Urquidy left his start on Tuesday with right shoulder discomfort. Speaking of uh, kitties, Jose or Ur- Kitty, I'm trying to virtually pet David Bowie right now, but it's not working. Hey, Bowie, you want to talk? <laughs> uh, Jose Urquidy left his start on Tuesday with right shoulder discomfort. Maybe this opens up a spot for Christian Javier to get thrown back into the rotation. He is 67% rostered. The Astros, according to roster resource at least, were rolling with a six-man rotation right now. So they might want to keep that going. We had a trade, and it included the Blue Jays, who acquired Corey Dickerson and reliever Adam Simber from the Miami Marlins in exchange for infielder Joe Panic and an undisclosed minor league pitcher. I assume Dickerson just fills a fourth outfielder role. Um, yeah, maybe- it sounds like that was Dickerson was kind of the price of trading for Adam Simber. Simber is, is the guy the, the Blue Jays wanted here. Yeah, and I looked into his numbers. Really low ERA, doesn't get any strikeouts at all for Adam Simber, so I guess just another bullpen piece for them, so... Bullpen's been an issue for Toronto. Yeah, let's let's get some of those leads to Jordan Romano so we can get more saves. Yeah. We had some mixed reports on Tuesday for Alex Bregman. Bregman himself said that he had an ultrasound on his strain left quad, which went great, and that he is way ahead of schedule. Dusty Baker also said that Bregman will be out at least another month. Maybe those things are not mutually exclusive. Maybe he's Bregman's ahead of schedule, and he's still going to be out another month. Uh, but we are going to talk about players who have really strong second-half numbers for their career, and Alex Bregman is one of them. So 
if you want to trade for him, I don't think it's a bad idea, but you might be waiting a while before he actually returns to the lineup. Blake Snell was scratched on Tuesday due to dehydration and stomach problems. Craig Stammen started in his place. They had a bullpen game. Chris Bryant was out of the lineup due to side soreness. He is batting 114 with a 445 OPS in June. Anthony Rizzo also remained out of the lineup with his tight lower back. And Chris, I'm not ready to do victory laps or anything, obviously, because Chris Bryant has been awesome. But part of my concern with him coming into the year is that He's always kind of dealing with something, and I think those some things are kind of catching up to Chris Bryant right now. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It, it's yeah. I don't know. It's always it always feels like when you've got like a general soreness kind of situation going on. Oh my god! My oh my god! Sorry, my cat is sitting on the keyboard, and a bunch of things just happened. I hope <laughs> it didn't mess up the the podcast. No, we're still going for now. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it kind of feels like sometimes you get like the this player is struggling and then we learn that they're dealing with some kind of minor injury, whereas if they were hitting well, you don't necessarily hear about it. I don't know. It's it's certainly not ideal. It's not what you want to hear from Chris Bryant, given that he's been so good this season. But, you know, we'll see where it goes. Let's see where it goes. Jose Abreu surprisingly returned to the lineup on Tuesday despite getting hit by a pitch on his knee on Sunday and he was writhing and rolling around on the ground. So I was surprised to see him in the lineup. Gene Segura was activated and was batting second for the Phillies on Tuesday. Steven Strasburg threw off the bullpen mound for the second time since suffering his injury. He remains without a timetable. Colton Wong remained out with his calf issue. Yohan Moncada was out of the lineup due to his shoulder, quote, barking according to his manager, Tony La Russa. Uh, Yuan Moncada is batting 275 with five homers and two steals on the season. It's not a bad year, but it's definitely not a good one for Yuan Moncada. It's kind of been a mixed bag. It's him. kind of similar to what, you know, what's going on with Chris Bryant, where Moncada actually had like an 850 OPS in the first two months of the season. Really good plate discipline. And then he's just been kind of awful in June so far. And, you know, maybe that's kind of the well. He got a day off. Is you know he's been dealing with something. We're trying to get him on track, kind of thing. Let's hope that's what it is. Max Fried has fully recovered from his blister issue and will start on Wednesday. Michael Pineda started a rehab assignment on Tuesday. He was on the. He's currently on the IL with forearm inflammation. Luis Robert was cleared to ramp up baseball activities. Remember, he is on the IL since May with a strained hip. His timeline still remains sometime in August. So, good news here for Robert, but. He's still at least a month, month and a half away. Uh, Ryan Weathers is expected to be recalled from AAA and start on Thursday for the Padres. He had a 3.60 ERA and a 1.50 whip in two starts in the minors. Uh, He is 23% rostered, Ryan Weathers, for those in deeper leagues. And the A's recalled Frank Schwindel. Who is that guy? Well, he's a 29-year-old minor leaguer who was crushing it in AAA, he was batting two, uh, 324 with 16 home runs. Throw him on the scout team. Uh, the prospect updates. The Brewers promoted pitching prospect Aaron Ashby from AAA. He had a an 8.71 ERA across uh, 10 and a third innings as a reliever, but he was pitching very well as a starter originally. 2.93 ERA over 27 and two-thirds innings pitch. Ashby expected to be used out of the bullpen sure. initially for the Brewers. Chris, anything that you would like to add? That's Andy Ashby's nephew. Oh, 
All right. That's that's what I would like to add. Okay. Throw him on the scout team. Uh, the Phillies option Spencer Howard back to AAA. He had a 5.82 ERA across 21 and two-thirds innings, though they never really gave him a fair shot to be a starter. He did not have a start where he went more than four innings. So I don't really know what the Phillies' plan is for Spencer Howard. Yeah, and, and he's already 24. The The results so far in the majors have been pretty mediocre. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of him, you know, as far as, like, does he still have... Definitely still has potential, but how likely it is that is it that he's going to make an impact? That's a big question right now at this point. Yeah, I think that unfortunately is very fair to say about Spencer Howard. Yesterday we did the dropo meter for some hitters. Let's fire it up for some pitchers. And the first one I want to talk about is Kenta Maeda, who up against the White Sox, four and two thirds, eight hits, seven runs, five walks. On the season, 5.56 ERA, 1.55 whip for Kenta Maeda. The walks are up to 3.2 per nine on the season. Last year, 1.5 walks per nine. The swinging strike rate is currently 13%. Last year, it was 17%. And according to StatCast, Kenta Maeda's hard hit rate this season is 41%. Last year, that was 24%. Chris, what is the dropometer? One to 10. One. You're holding on 10. You could drop him in all leagues on Kenta Maeda. Yeah, the thing is, before this start, he was actually pretty good recently. Um, he'd only made two starts since coming back from the IL, and he missed about four weeks. But in six starts since the start of May, he'd had a 25% strikeout rate, a 8% walk rate, and a 377 ERA. You know, it's certainly not ace production, but it's not droppable. So I'm still willing to give him the chance, the the benefit of the doubt. I actually picked him up in Tout Wars this week because somebody had dropped him. Um, so I, I would say a one. And that's a pretty deep league. That's a 12-team roto league. You start nine pitchers, yeah. right? Yeah. So wow, yeah. Someone dropped Kent Maeda there. That's pretty interesting. Um, I think it's shallower leagues. It depends who's available. <laughs> Like I would be kind of tempted to drop Kenta Maeda for Shane McClanahan if he were still available in my league. I think that's reasonable, yeah. Yep. Who would you rather have rest of season, Maeda or Herman Marquez? Maeda. Mm. <laughs> I, think, I think we're getting really close, though, on that one. The next one I want to talk about, Rich Hill. I already brought up his name, but uh, at the Washington Nationals, six innings, eight hits, four runs, one walk, two strikeouts. He actually settled down quite well because he allowed those four runs, I believe it was in the first two innings, still managed to go uh, six innings in this start. The breaking pitches were down about two miles per hour each, which obviously coincides with uh, his spin rate being down over 200 RPM on both the curveball and the slider. Rich Hill has a 4.64 ERA in five June starts. He's still 87% rostered. Chris, the dropo meter on Rich Hill. Yeah, I, I'm higher on that here. I would say like a five or a six. If Shane McClanahan was out here, I would definitely add him. Um, so, yeah, like the biggest concern for me is just the strikeouts haven't really been all that impressive of late. What was it, two today? Yeah, only two. And I, and I saw that you quote was, tweeted something where, that pointed out the spin rate on his breaking pitches has been dropping precipitously. Yes, Yes. Yeah, and he's um yeah he's at twenty strikeouts and twenty five ish innings in the month of June, so that's definitely not a great sign. I, I think he's pretty droppable. All right, would you 
drop him for Joe Ross. That's fine. <laughs> All right, I think David Bowie agrees, actually. Uh, how I was about- imploring, da- imploring David Bowie to please get off my keyboard. She always wants to lie down on the keyboard, which, like, anywhere else is fine. You know, I love cats, Chris. I actually prefer cats over dogs, which I guess is kind of a take I mean, you're gonna get some you're gonna get some hate for that one ah, I'm, I'm i'm fine with it i'm i'm allowed like, to we have, don't have to, they're not competing i'm allowed to have an azer take every now and then but they're both good the one thing that i do find most troubling about cats is like everything that you don't want them to do is what they want to do oh yeah you got no no control like <laughs> my dog like if I clap and I make like a loud noise, he'll go like, whoa, what was that? And then he'll stop doing what he was doing. <laughs> There's nothing you can really do to a cat that can make them stop. Like I can pick her up and drop her on the floor and she'll just jump back up. If she wants to be yep. here, you're not stopping it. Yep. That's that's absolutely true, man. Yep. Uh, I love my cat. I've, I've had her for uh, six months or something now. She's awesome, but. At the same time, you're right. Like you can clap. She might look at you for a second and then just go back to doing exactly what you did not. Yeah, want the the other cat wakes my wife up at five thirty every morning <laughs> to feed them. She'll bite her hands or her her lip, maybe. She'll, oh my god! And if she doesn't wake up from that stuff, she starts just knocking stuff off her nightstand. Oh my god! It's, it's, that's yeah, rough. They they can be jerks. Uh, Nick Pavetta on the drop o meter. Let's talk about him. He was up against the Royals, four and a third, nine hits, six earned runs. This comes after a start where I forgot how many innings it was, but he was he did not allow a hit in those innings in his previous yeah. start. Uh, the ERA is up to four point four three for the season. If we look at specifically June, six June starts for Nick Pavetta, a five point four eight ERA during that span. Like Rich Hill, he's still 87% rostered, Chris. Drop-o-meter, Nick Pavetta. Eight, nine. I yeah. think he's, you know, I, I, maybe you'll miss him, but I think he, it's more likely than not that he's just going to be a guy you pick up and, you know, try to ride while he's hot and then drop all season long. I'm just going to lump these two together and kind of issue an apology to anyone who we told to, to pick up Jameson Tyone because... I don't know what the issue is. Some of the underlying numbers actually look pretty good for him. He gives up a lot of fly balls. That's not playing well in Yankee Stadium, obviously. He's getting a good amount of swinging strikes. He's getting strikeouts, but when the guy gets hit, he gets hit hard. So, Jamison Tyone against the Angels gave up five earned runs. The ERA is at 5.43. Andrew Heaney, same thing on the other side. He's got a 5.40 ERA. Chris, do you have any issues dropping either of these pitchers? No, I mean, I, I could definitely see Jamison Tyone going on a, a big run in the second half, but he's throwing his sinker a lot less in, in, in favor of his four-seam fastball. And like you said, that the 34% uh, ground, ground ball rate or whatever it is just doesn't bode well. So I, I'm fine dropping him. I think he's like a six or something. You know, if you can stash him in a deeper league just because there's yeah. nothing available, sure. But like... Again, Shane McClanahan's a name we bring up all the time. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I you know, I wouldn't even think twice about dropping Jamison Tyone for him. Uh, would you drop Tyone for jo- uh, Joe Ross? I think I'd be okay with it. Yeah, yeah, I think you could kind of just ride the hot hand right now, and yeah, Joe Ross is definitely that. Uh, let's talk about a few other starting pitchers that you might be able to add based on what they did on Tuesday. Mike Fultonevich, interestingly enough, at the Oakland A's now two starts in a row where he's faced the Oakland A's. Seven innings, four hits, two runs. Six strikeouts. He had 14 swinging strikes on 94 pitches. Back-to-back quality starts. 
and he threw a season-high 19 curveballs. So there's two different fastballs, four-seamer, sinker. He's got two different breaking pitches, slider, curveball. The overall numbers are still not good for Fulte, but he's looked much better over his last two starts, Chris. I, I think he's... Um pretty fringy i don't see much reason to go out and chase him like he's he's been a nice ad for my scott dynasty scott white dynasty league team <laughs> um just because he's made his starts but that's about the best i can say for him how's your scott white dynasty league team doing chris can we make another trade or no um i am eight and four so you know cooled off a little from the hot from the hot start but you know, getting Mike Trout back soon. All right. And, uh, you know, I think I think things are going to be okay. I got to check out your team because I have a few more pieces that I'm looking to sell off. So maybe we'll be a match there. Maybe you'll want to acquire Vince Velasquez, who was up against the Marlins. Seven shutout with seven strikeouts on Tuesday. 14 swinging strikes on 97 pitches. However, he had a 7.97 ERA over his previous five starts. Was this just a Marlins thing? Yeah, I haven't been willing to buy the random good Vince Velasquez start since at least 2019, probably earlier than that. I, uh, I've i learned my lesson too many times from that. He'll have the occasional good start, but he's just, he's not good. Yeah, no, I agree with that. How about Caleb Smith? He was at the Cardinals, five innings, two runs, three walks, eight strikeouts. And since joining the Diamondbacks rotation, Caleb Smith has a 2.81 ERA with 35 strikeouts over 31 and a third innings pitched. However, he does have three or more walks in four straight starts. His underlying numbers are much, much worse than his actual numbers. Chris, your interest level in adding Caleb Smith. Higher than Vince Velasquez and Mike fulton lower than Joe Ross. I think that's fair to say. He's currently 41% rostered. Some pe- people picked him up for the for the two-start week this week. He allows a lot of fly balls. 50% fly balls since joining the rotation. Yeah, Eventually, th- that's those are going to hurt him. Yeah, this was kind of the platonic ideal of a Caleb Smith start. Like He didn't go deep into the game. He walked a lot of guys, but he got enough strikeouts that he was able to make it work. But that's kind of the best-case scenario for him most of the time. Carlos Martinez is a lot like Vince Velasquez. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts. He's 26% rostered. Anything to see there, Chris? Was his last start the one where he walked like eight guys, or was that the previous start? I think that might have been the previous one. Yeah, it looks like... Uh, no, he had seven walks in his last, 11 in his last, in his previous two combined. So, um, Yeah, he's bad. No, I don't, uh, I don't have much interest in Carlos Martinez at this point, unfortunately. <laughs> the last one that I'll bring up, Tyler Miguel for the Mets. He is not really a prospect. Maybe he's a prospect, a borderline prospect. He was at the Braves, five innings, three runs, two walks, eight strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 85 pitches. He had at least four swings and misses on each of his slider, changeup, and four seam. There's now two starts in a row where he has cruised through four innings and then runs into trouble in the fifth inning. I didn't see if he if they mention if he's going to stay in the rotation or not. But anything, Chris, Tyler, Miguel? Yeah, I, I think you're kind of seeing what his profile suggests, which is that he's probably not a full-time starter. He had made 21 starts and 40 appearances in the minors. He was a reliever in college. Um, 
his senior season, it looks like he made one start in 19 appearances. So, you know, he's transitioning to being a starter. He's made every start so far this season, but uh, I, I don't think there's much to get excited about there. All right, so if we're just ranking these waiver wire starting pitchers, Joe Ross was number one. Caleb Smith was number two, right? Yeah, Ross, Caleb Smith, Fultonevich, Velasquez, Martinez. I guess I could go McGill over Martinez. All right. I mean, it's not obviously the biggest vote of confidence, but let's see where he goes from here. Let's take a quick break. But when we return, some waiver wire hitters. We'll talk about them next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so I want to pit Ty France and Joey Votto up against each other. We've talked about both of these guys for quite a while, but they're still rostered in under 70% of CBS leagues. So if you play in a points league or a just shallower league in general, they may be available to you. Ty France went two for four with his eighth home run of the season. He's batting 295 with five homers since returning from the IL. And Joey Votto added two more hits. He's batting 282 with four home runs since coming off of the IL. Chris, if you had to choose between one of those two, Ty France or Joey Votto? I would think Votto. Just, you know, looking at Ty France's expected stats, they're all pretty gross. So, you know, Votto's actually hitting the ball very well, even if the results haven't been great. And I don't think he's going to be, you know, the 374 ex-WOBA guy that he uh, currently looks like. But I think he'll be better than what he's been so far. All right. If you play in a categories league, I keep bringing up the name because he's stealing bases, but Miles Straw added two walks, stole his 12th base of the season, yeah. also took his fifth caught stealing of the season on Tuesday. But where, if anywhere, are you looking to add Miles Straw? Uh, any Roto League, really. Any league where, where stolen bases really matter. Um, Even 12-team leagues? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I, I added him, I believe, in Tout Wars. Um and maybe another 12-team league. Just, you know, the possibility that he'll provide a little bit of batting average, good on-base skills, and and stolen bases, that that has value. You know, I'm in last place in a couple of leagues and steals, so uh, I need all the help I can get. Yes, and I'm sure many people are in a similar predicament when it comes to stolen bases. One of the hardest categories, of course, uh, to compete in and project every single season. Uh, for Miles Straw, he is... Currently batting 271. He's really got that batting average up there now with a 349 OBP. That's certainly serviceable for a, I guess, steals only specialist. Uh, in deeper leagues, Chris, anything to see here? Ryan O'Hearn went three for four with another home run. He's 11 for 32 with three home runs since returning to the majors for the Royals. And Gavin Sheets, who is like a borderline top 10 prospect in the White Sox organization, he went two for four with a double and two RBI in what I believe was his major league debut on yep. Tuesday. Uh, he was yeah, called was. up because Jake Lamb went on the IL. So anything to see here, Gavin Sheets or Ryan O'Hearn? Mm, O'Hearn has had stretches where he's been kind of interesting. So, you know, maybe he'll continue uh, to do that. He's He's got pretty good power. 
Sheets, I, I have trouble just looking at his minor league track record, getting all that excited about him. Um, 777, 774 OPS bat. He's a 25-year-old, so it's not like he's particularly young. I, I would probably pass outside of an AL-only league. All right. Yeah, I mean, again, only in the deepest leagues. Gavin Sheets and Ryan O'Hearn are the names there. Let's look at some players who have strong second-half splits in their career, and I'm going to split... Poor pun. I'm going to split these two uh, uh, into two different groups. I have 12 players listed here. Jorge Soler, Jose Abreu, Michael Conforto, Josh Donaldson, Tommy Pham, and Alex Bregman. That's your first group there. Again, Soler, Abreu, Conforto, Donaldson, Pham, Bregman. These are all players who have strong second-half splits in their career. Chris, give me one or two of these hitters that you would most be looking to acquire for a second-half push. I don't put too much stock in historical first half, second half splits. Um, I think Jorge Soler is a good example of why he's basically just had one awesome second half. Yeah. Um, or I was looking at uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero has a much higher. I think it's like a 60 point swing in OPA, o, uh, Woba between the first half and the second half. But that's mostly because he hasn't had a second half of the season while he's hitting as the best pit hitter in baseball. Um, so I, I don't put a ton of stock in there, but I do think Tommy Pham, who we talked about earlier, Bregman, if you can get him for a discount because of the injury. And I think Michael Conforto is a good player to try to go get. Um, I think he's a lot better than he's shown this season, even if he's not going to be as good as he was last year. Jose Abreu, if he can get healthy, he is someone yeah. who... I know I hear what you're saying, Chris, because like some of them you kind of have to take it case by case. But like Jose Abreu is just someone who has always played better in the second half of seasons. And I remember reading this a while ago, actually, and he straight up admitted that coming over from Cuba, he just plays better in warmer weather. So, you know, as the weather heats up, he plays in Chicago. So does have to deal with some tougher yeah, weather. And like that's April not unreasonable. Yeah. Uh, for Jose Abreu's career, 826 OPS in the first half, 898. OPS in the second half of season. So I'm with you on Conforto. Uh, Bregman, if he can get healthy. Donaldson, I like the possibility of trying to acquire him, but I'm still really worried about that calf. I think that's probably something you're going to deal with the rest of this season. Probably yeah. the rest of Josh Donaldson's career if we're just being totally honest. Yeah, no, it's, we're going on three or four years now of it being a pretty serious injury. The second group of hitters that have strong second half splits in their career, Jesse Winker, Matt Chapman, Gary Sanchez, Kyle Schwarber, I guess good luck trying to acquire him right now, uh, <laughs> Austin Meadows, and Francisco Lindor. Anyone that stands out to you there, Chris, that you would be looking to buy? I still think Francisco Lindor might be a, a buy low candidate just because the perception seems to still be that he's been bad and the overall numbers certainly have not been what you thought they would be but uh, I believe since the start of June he's on like a 30 homer 12 steal 195 run plus RBI pace so he's basically been pretty close to what we hope Francisco Lindor will be most seasons so if you can get him for a discount I like that one and Matt Chapman uh, he's much better than he's shown and we're still seeing that league i think he i don't know if he's still got the streak but i think he's hit safely in like 18 games in a row now um let's see 15 games in a row now 1054 ops obviously i don't think he's going to do that but what we saw in the second half of the 
2018 season? Was that the year he almost won MVP? Finished top three? Yeah, he was a monster in the second half. 14 homers, 39 RBI, 52 runs in 64 games with a 961 OPS. I think he's a very, very good hitter who hasn't shown it. Um, you know, he, you know, he's coming back from surgery, so maybe that's part of it, why he got off to such a slow start. But I, I think Chapman's a good buy low still, even, even, you know, with this little hot streak. Yeah, Matt Chapman hit his 11th home run of the season on Tuesday. It was his sixth home run of June. So it's taken him a few months here. He did have off-season hip surgery. So uh, that was one of my concerns with him coming into the year, kind of similar to Cody Bellinger, though. Obviously, it was two different body parts. I thought that they could get off to slow starts, but now is the time to honestly look to acquire either one. Matt Chapman, Cody Bellinger, if you can somehow get him on a discount. I would look into doing that as well. Who would you rather have between Chapman and Michael Conforto? Just in a vacuum, if you're looking to acquire a hitter. Oh, let's see. I just did this. It's Chapman. All right. There you go. Anyone out there looking to acquire some hitting for the second half? Those are some names that you can look at. Let's look at some of the leftovers from Tuesday's action. Action. Trevor Story had two more hits with two more RBI. Wander Franco went one for four with a single, but has just one strikeout to three walks over his last three games. So if anyone is concerned about the plate discipline for Wander Franco, you shouldn't be. I guess other things, if you're worried about his batted ball data, sure, you can be. I think he's hitting like over 50% fly balls. That's too high for Wander Franco. Uh, But the plate discipline has been good. Trevor Rogers, another solid start. Five and two-thirds, two earned runs, nine strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes on 99 pitches, Trevor Rogers has allowed three earned runs or less in all 16 of his starts this season. Lucas Giolito up against the Twins. Quality start, six innings, three runs. Only one strikeout here, Chris. Nine swinging strikes. The spin rates for Lucas Giolito down across the board. 175 RPM on the fastball, 185 RPM on the slider, 377 RPM on the curveball. Are you worried about Giolito? Should he be in this conversation with Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole as pitchers who are losing spin rate? I, I think you can certainly include him in that discussion. And, you know, looking at my trade values, I've basically got him tied with Corbin Burns, who's another player who is, right. uh, you know, I wouldn't say bleeding value, but certainly you know, has taken a hit a little bit over his last handful of starts. Um but I, I don't want to overreact either. I haven't moved him down too much. Yeah, it's the same thing that we're doing with those other names. It's We don't want to overreact, but we will continue to fill you in as more uh, information and more spin rates become available. The top four in the Blue Jays lineup combined for 11 hits on Tuesday, including the 19th home run for Marcus Simeon and the 15th home run for Bo Bichette. Pitching for the Blue Jays was Robbie Ray, turned in an, another quality start, six innings, three runs, 10 strikeouts. The ERA is down to 3.43 for Robbie Ray. As usual, gives up a lot of hard contact. So Robbie Ray, Tarek Skubal, they're kind of in similar molds, except Robbie Ray is just a lot better, obviously, at this point. Uh, Charlie Morton, I already mentioned him. Six innings, three runs, seven strikeouts. Chris, Charlie Morton's last three starts, 20 and two-thirds innings, three earned runs, 25 strikeouts to three walks. He has completely ditched his sinker a pitch that had a 344 batting average against this season. If I held on to Charlie Morton or I acquired him, I'm very excited right now. Yeah, I think you should be. Um, I've I've pretty much kept the faith with him all season, and it's you know 
starting to pay off for sure. It's interesting. He is not losing spin rate. I don't know if maybe, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, maybe unfairly assumed he might be in that conversation as well, but um, his spin rate was actually, you know, well within the normal ranges today. So that's a good sign. And his average fastball velocity was up to 96.2 miles per hour, which is a mile per hour above where he's been this season. So that's a very good sign as well. Christian Yelich went one for three with a double, a walk, a run, an RBI, and his sixth stolen base. In June, Yelich is batting 256, meh, four homers, meh, 24% strikeout rate. Okay, that's way down from where it was earlier. 55% hard hit rate, according to StatCast for Christian Yelich. So, Chris, is your confidence growing throughout the month of June for Yelich? Yeah, one thing I would want to see, and I'm not sure how to look it up quickly, would be what his launch angle is right now. But it's two degrees over the course of the full season, which is worse than when he was in Miami. And that was a big part of his breakout was hitting the ball. He's always hit the ball really hard. Hitting the ball in the air is what unlocked his power. And and that could be why he's not hitting for power right now. Um, but look, the, the six stolen bases, that's like a 22-ish uh, stolen base pace for a full season. That's a pretty good sign that he's feeling better. So for the month of June, Chris, uh, Yelich has a 3.9 degree average launch angle. Yeah, still way below where it's been in his Brewers career, yeah. um, but better than it was before. So that again, that's... A sign if he's not himself yet, at least he does appear to be feeling better, which is a good thing. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, six innings, one run, eight strikeouts, 12 swinging strikes on 104 pitches. Pretty standard, great start from Brandon Woodruff. One day after telling people they might want to drop Glaber Torres, he goes two for four with two RBI, a walk, and his fifth stolen base of the season. However, his three batted balls averaged 81.9 mile per hour exit velocity. So... I, I I still think you can consider dropping him. I'm not saying you definitely need to drop him, but yeah, it's absolutely worth having the discussion. Uh, last one I want to talk about, Walker Bueller, who has now gone at least six innings in every start this season. So shout out to Walker Bueller. I definitely did not expect that. Six and two-thirds, one run, seven strikeouts against the Giants. The spin rates, Chris, way down for Walker Bueller, but... I don't think it really matters because well the you know the thing with him was he was a really good pitcher before his spin rate spiked this year so sure. you know if he's going back to being a really good pitcher as opposed to being a really good pitcher you know I don't think there's much to worry about I know a couple of weeks ago we said that we would take Aaron Nola over Walker Bueller Chris where are you at on that conversation <sighs> I think it's pretty close at this point um and I I do have Walker Bueller a little below Aaron Nola. I think that's I can rectify that. I think they're very close, but you know maybe Bueller's a little ahead now. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates, and for the Phillies, Jose Alvarado entered the game in the eighth inning with a four-run lead. He gave up one run in the eighth, and then gave up a two-run homer in the ninth. Uh, Alvarado did pick up his third save, but Chris, he has looked very shaky. Recently, where you know he's kind of been used all over the place, they said he was going to be the closer. He's forty percent rostered. Alvarado should that number be higher? Yeah, but I don't think he's a must add. 
I'm really only adding him in roto leagues where I need saves. Yeah, don't pick him up in any points leagues. We we have a good amount of sparks actually at this point between yeah. Joe Ross and Cole Irvin's been pretty good. Shane McClanahan, uh, Freddie Peralta's mm-hmm. been great all year long. James Caprillion gave us another quality start on Tuesday. So yeah, it's been a pretty good position in points leagues. Yep. For the Nationals, Brad Hand got his 18th save. The Red Sox, Matt Barnes, 18th save as well. For the Mets, Edwin Diaz got his 17th. Alex Reyes for the Cardinals pitched two innings and got his 19th save of the season. The White Sox, Liam Hendricks, 21st save. The Padres, Mark Melanson, got his 25th. And the Dodgers, Kenley Jansen, got his 20th save. I will just say, outside of maybe a handful of bullpens, which we talk about a lot, the Phillies, the Reds, the Orioles, I guess, the Royals, everyone else has kind of settled into like a pretty good closer situation. Do you feel that same way, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. There haven't been really like Cincinnati, Philadelphia. There, there are a handful, but it, it does feel a little more settled than it has in a while. Um, one player I want to highlight is uh, Alex Reyes, who just <clears throat> he, he has a 1.04 ERA or actually 0.98 now after this outing. That's not sustainable. And you look at the 4.61 XFIP that makes it look a lot more unsustainable. But one thing I'll point out is Alex Reyes has had elite, elite, elite uh, quality of contact numbers. You know, he's got a 173 XBA against a 295 X slug. You see the XFIP and it's like, well, it's almost five. That's pretty bad. XFIP normalizes home run rate. It assumes that everyone will have more or less the same home run rate. You can't make that assumption with Alex Reyes. He's got a 4.7% home run to fly ball rate for his career. This is who he is. And, you know, he's going to be someone who I think outperforms his peripherals pretty consistently. And so, um, you know, don't don't worry too much about that. I've seen, you know, some, some hand-wringing about it, but I don't think it's a concern. Yeah, Alex Reyes, man. What of, one of the, I, I feel confident saying, the biggest breakout closers, one of the, yeah, fantasy MVP candidates at the position, at the relief sure. pitcher position. He's been absolutely lights out. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Wednesday. Vladimir Gutierrez versus the Padres. Martin Perez versus the Royals. Riley Smith at the Cardinals. Kwang Hyun Kim versus the Diamondbacks. Jake Arrieta at the Brewers. And John Gray versus the Pirates. Is this John Gray's first start back from the aisle? Second. Um, I, I think I'd rank him first and... He's the only one I think I'd be willing to use. Maybe Quang Hyun Kim. I agree with you. It's Gray is a legitimate streamer. If you're in a deeper league and like super desperate, I think Kim versus the Diamondbacks and Martin Perez versus the Royals just because the Royals are very bad. Are you all right, Chris? She just opened like 20 <laughs> programs. I don't know what happened. I don't even know how to open the program that she opened. I don't know where it's found. <laughs> on my computer, but she just opened it like 22 times. Oh, gosh. All right, well, you're so still... No, I'm not okay, Frank. <laughs> you're still with us, which is which is all I need to know. Uh, for Thursday, Johnny Cueto at the Diamondbacks, Dane Dunning at the Oakland A's, Jordan Montgomery versus the Angels, Griffin Canning at the Yankees, J.C. Mejia versus the Astros. Montgomery and... Cueto if I had to, but those are the only ones I, I think are, are decent. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could see Canning 
just because the Yankees have been pretty mediocre, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel confident about it in that park. Cueto had a quality start his last time out. The Diamondbacks mm-hmm. just made Carlos Martinez look good. I guess yeah. I could get behind Johnny Cueto as well. Let's wrap up here with some Apple Podcast review questions. Thank you to everyone out there who has left a five-star rating and review. A lot of people coming to the support of Oh My Goodness Gracious as well, so I do appreciate that. This question is from Rondo. What is the best way to find partial season StatCast data? And the way that I just did it is I go to a player's page on Fangraphs.com. Then you click on their game log, and you can sort by whatever date you want. Say you just want to look at the past two weeks, you can go into their little calendar thing and you could choose the last two weeks. And then there is a StatCast tab within the whole game log, whatever. You'll see a bunch of menus there. Uh, and that's how I do it. Chris, I don't know if you know an easier way to do to do that. I think on the StatCast player pages, one thing that they do have is, um, you know, under the StatCast tab, you've got like the graph um, that shows up for every player. You can go from all seasons to 2021. You can go from season to month. And then you can kind of sort by what you're looking for. So like I'm on Patrick Wisdom's page and (laughs) he had a 90.9% hard hit rate in, uh, in 71 or 16 plate appearances in June or in May. That's pretty good. Still up to 57.1%. So far in the month of June, but the whiff rate has climbed to forty-four percent overall. So, yikes! Um, you know that's one option that you can do as well. This next one's from Joel Christie. I'm in a twelve-team head-to-head league. I was looking to sell high and buy low, and was totally shocked that this trade proposal was actually accepted. I offered Cedric Mullins straight up for Mookie Betts. Great the trade. A plus 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 plus. You know what's crazy, Chris? Even with how bad Betts has been this year, he's batting around 250. He's averaging 3.5 fantasy points per game in points leagues. Cedric Mullins, who is on a near 30-25 pace, is averaging 3.3 fantasy points per game. Yeah, like this is the worst season Betts has had since 2017. He's still got an 842 OPS and a 371 on base percentage. He's got an ISO above 200. Like... A bad Mookie Betts season is still better than most players' best seasons. And Mookie Betts is going to be a lot better than he has been moving forward. Um, He's got a 272 BABIP. So that alone tells you things are going to get a lot better for Mookie Betts. And things are already pretty good for him. I will point out that in Roto, Cedric Mullins entering Tuesday was the sixth best outfielder in that format. Mookie Betts was outfielder 30. So much bigger disparity there. This one's from Steven. Why do pitchers get limited based on prior year's innings? I would think actual pitches would be a better way to limit how much a pitcher throws in a year. Example, pitcher A can throw 150 innings with 2250 pitches, but pitcher B can throw 150 innings with 2850 pitches. That seems like a pretty big disparity for the same amount of innings pitched. So I don't know how realistic that is, but in today's world, we judge them the same. I don't know. I kind of yeah. That would be that would be about as extreme. That would be about that would be like a tenth percentile pitches per inning and a ninetieth percentile pitches per inning. So yeah. it's not totally unreasonable, even though it does seem a little. It wouldn't surprise me if um, teams actually do set innings caps yeah. based on pitch count, though. Like we kind of see that, like the way that 
pitchers are limited. Like while we talk about innings, a lot of the time it's like either they don't want him to go third time through the order or, okay, this pitcher is at 80 pitches if they're a young pitcher. I don't want them to go more than that. Or you barely see like younger starting pitchers get over 100 pitches anymore in a start. And I think that's kind of the same thing. It's like by design. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to find the right example. Okay, Carlos Rodon. You know, the point is not all innings are the same. I think is the point this guy's trying to make. But it's also worth noting, not all pitches are the same. You know, Carlos Rodon has a .090 whip, so he's working very quick innings for the most part. And he hasn't been in a lot of tough situations. You know, there, there is a difference between an inning where you throw 20 pitches and, you know, have the bases loaded and an inning where you throw 12 pitches and, you know, don't allow any hits. You know, one is going to be more stressful, even if there's only an eight pitch difference between the two. So um, we tend to use innings as a shorthand just because it's a lot easier to wrangle 150 innings than 2,850 pitches right. or whatever the number might be. I'm sure major league teams have much, much more sophisticated ways of tracking this stuff. They're They're looking at biometric data. They're looking at, you know, spin rate and velocity and, you know, the number of stressful pitches. And I'm sure they've got all kinds of proprietary algorithms. The in, the innings thing, I think, mostly comes from like a, I think it's the Verducci effect is what it was referred to as, where the 50 innings was kind of the magic number where injuries go up. You know, I don't know if that still holds true anymore. I've seen some criticism of the idea, but it's mostly just that, you know, innings increases are an easier to grasp way of expressing the the concern about pitchers. Yeah, we like to think that we're smart, but trust me, organizations are way smarter yeah. than we are. Uh, this last one's from Kevy Two Time. Kevy Two Time. Who would you rather have, Aaron Nola or Framber Valdez? Definitely Aaron Nola. Um, as good as Framber Valdez is, he I don't think he has the upside that Nola does, especially when it comes to strike. For Chris, I am Frank. We're going to wrap there. Uh, we are going to leave you here. This is one of the worst endings to a podcast that I have ever done. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We will be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.